My peripheral vision, I just watched Paul dive after something out of the chair. I was trying to chair. catch a fly. <laughs> I was trying to do my Mr. Miyagi. So if you, like, work. if you saw my eyes like dart right there, I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> Welcome to What's Right. I am playing with something. I probably don't need to have that in my hand because you'll just see me fidgeting all broadcast. Anyway, thank you for joining us. Thanks for being here. We're super excited about today. Today, it's going to be like the men edition of What's Right, because we're going to have Paul and Buddy and Pastor. I'm a skedaddle out of here soon. Not yet, skedaddle. but soon. Skedaddle. It's a good word. It's a good word. <laughs> but we're just so excited to have you with us. Thank you for being here. Share the broadcast. Somebody you know needs to hear what is about to be shared this morning, and I can just about guarantee you <clears throat> it's going to be a right on time, power packed word because this is a broadcast that the enemy has not been super thrilled with. Different glitches and technical things. It's been a morning of it. But you know what? We stood in faith. We believed, and we're here. So get ready. Get expectant because God has something for you today. And as you are hopping on, make sure that you comment, say hello to us so that we can say hello to you. I see Serena, Johnny said hey, Kevin said good afternoon, what's right fam, Miss Melissa said good afternoon, Jade says hello, 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 and then she said that sweater though, do you mean mine? Like is this, a, is this technically a sweater? I wore sports related things because it's the men episode of what's right. So this is like as dudish as I can get. And what are you doing? I'm, You're like your dog. I'm trying to get to fly. <laughs> it is aggravating me. <laughs> I just look over and Paul is like leaning in. See, he's been describing his dog chasing after a mouse. And this is the visual I have in my head. It's, y'all, I don't know if you can see it, but. <laughs> Paul caught a fly. <laughs> you just like Mr. Miyagi. I did. Thing. That was nice. You gotta be slow and steady. That was nice. What was great was that the women in the back of the room were like, ew, ew, ew. <laughs> Who needs a flask of water? Kevin, ah, uh, <laughs> Kevin. Kevin said a right on time with a W. <laughs> Prilla says, hey, peeps. And Natalie says, hello. Okay, I have questions. Hello. <laughs> That's Deborah Ann. Whenever you watch Deb, that was for you. Okay, question number one of today. I tried to make them do dish because I did really lame things last week for Pastor Nicole. Okay. What's the craziest thing to ever happen to you at work? I am super stoked about this one. 
Y'all, I don't know if I've ever told you, I used to work at a car rental company. I won't say which car enterprise I worked for, but it was, it was one of them. Ha, <laughs> uh -uh. I see what you did there. <laughs> so I have lots of good car rental stories. What's the craziest thing that's ever happened to y'all while y'all have been at work? <laughs> what about you? I have a long list. <laughs> so when you do construction, there's always crazy things that happen. Let's see. Okay, while you're thinking, I immediately funny, have one. Are we looking for like funny crazy or like crazy like Probably amusing. what just happened? Um, either or. Like the immediate first one that popped into my head when I worked at the car rental company, this wasn't my story, it was my friend's story. There was a rental agency in a town nearby us and somebody had come in to get a car and it wasn't the type of car they wanted. They wanted a specific brand and didn't have it available. So the person literally refused the car, went outside and pooped on top of the car as like payback for not having the type of car that they wanted. They just went outside and pooped on the car, like on the hood. <laughs> like these are the type of things where I was like, no, this stuff doesn't, like that's just a TV thing. No, they pull TV things from real life things. <laughs> so I, I can keep going. I have a I list mean, from that car company. <laughs> I've shot nails through my finger. Ah. I've shot my shoe to a roof and missed the nail in between my toes and like tried to walk and my foot was stuck and I came out of my shoe. Ah, ah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things. Johnny says that he saw a forklift fell through a trailer of an 18-wheeler. Oh my gracious. But if we're talking funny, Hey, Lisa, we love you. When I laid brick, we would take the New Holland and we would pull the blades in and scoop up the portage on when somebody would go in. So the door would be against the mast so they couldn't open it. And then we would drive them around the job site, like bouncing. Or we would just leave them in the air for like 30 minutes awesome. so where they couldn't get out. Or we would take little pieces of brick and drop it down the vent tube. That's awesome. So that's probably... It never happened to me. I was, all, I, no, I'm not, Lord gave me wisdom on those things. <laughs> I had a customer rent a car and return the car with ferret pelts hanging in the rear view mirror, like they had just collected ferret pelts. And then I had a person use, and not like a van, like <clears throat> you would think, I don't know, I had lots of expectations and they were always always surprised me. I had a person rent a car, like a little Toyota Corolla, to haul live chickens in, but like not in cages, like just haul the live chickens places. Like the car comes back full of feathers and like stuff. Like it was, I just, I always got super surprised. I have watched a, an 18 wheeler, like the trailer. Yeah. Like it's, let's see, I'm trying to think of the length, what length trailer was. It came in the exact length of the trailer, but there's a load capacity for like the nose of it. Yeah. <clears throat> and when I worked at Yellow Freight on the dock, I was working swing shifts and went in there one day and there was a new guy that had just got his like forklift license. Mm -hmm. And we had a load of pipe that was going in. Well, really you don't put a lot of weight at the nose. Mm. And I watched him drive in with his load of pipe and drop it. And as he backed out, the weight of the, in the nose was too heavy. So it literally catapulted like the trailer up through the roof of the dock right as his fork was coming off. So it caught the blades of his fork and kicked him backwards. Oh my gracious. 
It wasn't me. He, nobody was hurt. So immediately I began to laugh yeah. because that was very amusing. I'd never seen a trailer go through a roof and that happened. So the ones that are being written are super interested. Um, Serena says that she's been threatened to have the cops called on her because she's such a troublemaker. I understand that. I've had people try We've to punch me out at work before. Like, I understand. Serena, though, she's a trash talker, so I could, I could <laughs> see it. Um, Miss Debbie said that she had a client at a camp lake, or at a camp, take off naked in the lake. I was security and had to chase him down. That is super funny. How old oh, were they? Were they like a kid or I've got like a, a similar adult? security. Now that, but I can't talk about that. <laughs> Kevin said that he had a patient in the back of an ambulance um, tried to sell herself to him if he would give her some morphine, and it didn't work. Amen, Kevin. Good, good job. That's an interesting sentence to say on the What's Right broadcast. <laughs> no, the, my, my car rental stories are forever the ones that, like, I'd just come home and George would be like, no. But, but yes, I had somebody try to rent a car. Uh, this will be my last one. I had somebody try to rent a car, and they didn't have a license, so they drew me a picture of their license. They're like, here you go. Like, this is what it looks like, but, but for real. And then a 16-year-old came in as an exchange student from France, and he's like, I am not from this country, but I can drive in my country, so I want to drive in your country. Give me a car. Like, I just... Yeah, I don't I was one of those people that would rent cars, though, and then I would try to see what that car could actually do. Like, I remember I was given a rental car, a Dodge Neon, mm -hmm. and I actually took that to the Mooresville drag strip and raced it down the drag strip. George says often that the <laughs> fastest car on the road is a rental car. The it fastest is. car. Because if it blows up, it's not yours. That's why you got insurance. <laughs> Pastor Nicole says that she didn't have any. Whoa! Whose story is that one? All I saw is, okay, if this is your story, I can't tell who wrote it. Serena, who wrote this one? The one that says to call the cops on a very senior citizen woman as she was being tricked into being a money mule. She yelled at me and that shook her Jade, finger. That was you? I think I remember hearing the story. Jade said that she thought she was going to punch her in the face. Pastor Nicole says that she doesn't have any real crazy stories. She's been threatened a few times, once by a lady in hair rollers and slippers, and once by a dude who looked to be on steroids. Yeah, those are, those are fun ones. I had a lady try to jump me across the counter once. She, she didn't like that she had returned the vehicle damage, so she <coughs> tried to take me out. When I, when I bounced, I had a lot of people that thought they were, they were big and bad. I, see, I steroids can, people were always the fun ones, though, because you could tell, like, as soon as they started speaking, like, you knew... What's up, Roy? Bud, yeah, like, <laughs> Bud, I, I know what's going on here. That, that needle or whatever, the pill that you took, it, it's, it's, it's fake. <laughs> it's fake. It's going to get you hurt. Because <laughs> like, oh they'd, they'd immediately, when they would start speaking, you could see the veins start like, going. It's like, oh, this is going to end bad for you, Bud. Like, <laughs> your endurance is not where it should be. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, okay, next question. Question number two. Of the day... I thought of you. Actually, I thought of Rachel. I thought of Rachel Ann. Which beverage makes you burp the most or loudest? Either way you want to take that. Which beverage does you in? I felt like Be this between was... a Sprite really? and a Dr. Pepper. Really? That's Sprite, interesting. Sprite's got so much carbonation in it. That's interesting. So does Dr. Pepper and Coke. Those three 
I will, I, I can, I can almost get the alphabet sometimes. I feel like mine's Mountain Dew and I don't like burping. Like it makes me feel like it gets in my nose and I don't enjoy it. But Mountain Dew, that's one of the reasons I won't drink it because almost immediately, anytime it's like, See, Mountain Dew makes whoa, sounds too. are coming out. Like I, <laughs> I can drink, if I get like a bottle of Mountain Dew, like a 20 ounce bottle or whatever, and I drink it, it'll, it hurts my stomach. Yeah. It's got too much sugar in it. Yes. And like acetame. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ooh, we have we have answer. Pastor Nicole <clears throat> says warm Dr. Pepper. Kevin says ginger ale. Pa uh, Natalie says Coke. Priscilla says any soda. She doesn't drink them often. Carbonation is not a friend. I, I, don't, I don't feel like LaCroix make me burp, though. LaCroix are nasty, so I just don't They're understand how people nasty. drink that. So some of my favorite memes are like what LaCroix actually tastes like, like watered down kiwi. <laughs> it's water with carbonation. It is. The only carbonated water I've ever drank is, I can't even remember the name of them, but Deb, Deb found them at, uh, what's the grocery store that I Ingles. felt, yeah, that yep. I felt was bad. Clear, what is it? Clearly Canadian. Well, that's because and that was, sweet. and I only drank those when I was little, and it's because my mom would trick me because I thought it was a soda, and I thought I was getting something that was cool, and really it was just flavored water. So what I'm hearing is if we <laughs> trick you into eating cake, you'll eat cake. I've tried it. <laughs> I've tried it for y'all. It's just it's not gonna happen. Okay, for those of you that are on the hospitality team watching, for my birthday, I don't want a cake. I want you to make a cupcake and a cake and just make them look identical and give them to Paul. I don't want them, but I want Paul to have to Speaking be able which, to tell which one is the difference. I seen a thing today, and I want to test this theory. About we, Skittles? Yes, and maybe we can test it on here. I thought about they it. They said that Skittles, is they use a generic fruit flavor, that, and the colors trick your mind into making it taste like the flavor, like yellow would be lemon. So I want to try that and blindfold yeah. myself and then just reach in and see if I can name the flavor. I thought the same thing because I- Because the mind's very powerful. Like it, it will is. put pieces together like that. It is. But I feel like Skittles and Sprees are very similar in like how the candies I taste. Like oh, I love Sprees. But like the grape is, I feel like the grape is super different than the lemon. So I, I really do want to try this. We're going to be back on the broadcast we Wednesday and this. I'll bring a bag of Skittles. We should do that. For sure. Test that theory. Buddy says that the theory is bogus. Placebo <laughs> cupcakes. Buddy! <laughs> oh my god. Have goodness. you tried that, Buddy? I feel like if anybody has, it's probably Buddy, but we're going to try it with Buddy on Wednesday. We're going to try it. We're going to do this. Okay, question number, oh, Jade said it's all about the smell. We tested this on jelly beans before in class. I love that we just both blanked out and stared at each other for a second of, Really? <laughs> I want to try this even more now. Now I want to try to see if I can smell the flavor. <laughs> smell the flavor. <laughs> smell Taste the flavor. The flavor. <laughs> Skittles. Join the rainbow. Okay, question number three. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. What song pumps you up the most? George calls these his drive fast songs. Like he has an entire playlist if he needs to go quicker on the road that he'll just like <laughs> turn it on. Yeah. It depends. It depends on the situation. Like I, I understand. Like if it's, a difference if, it's, if, it's songs. if it's road trip, here go get them on. Automatically makes you put the pedal to the floor. Interesting. 
George agrees with me on that one. I it's have a, no it's doubt. a classic road trip. Like that song comes on, when the drums start hitting, you gotta go. One of George's. And the windows have to be down. You can't do it with air conditioner on or the heat on. I don't care if it's 30 degrees, you gotta let the windows down. One of George's like drive fast songs is Rihanna's <laughs> Shut Up and Drive. <laughs> like that's George. one that he'll like go super fast. George, I might have to revoke a card. <laughs> that. It's a good one to drive fast for. Uh, <laughs> mama said, if you can't say nothing nice, don't mama say nothing. <laughs> my, 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 my mama said. Jade says, I cannot tell you on here. Oh. <laughs> I have a guess, but it's definitely a Britney Spears song. I text me. Um, I know what song. <laughs> Ashley, Ashley Melton, I love you. Hey, Ash. Uh, Serena says, Roar by Katy Perry. And then Johnny says, one by Slipknot, I'm not allowed to listen to. Well, y'all, stop posting the songs that used yeah. to pump you up. Like, what songs now pump you up? Instantly, though, when I, read, <laughs> when I read the question, I instantly went, pump up the jam. Pump, pump it, it up. up. <laughs> <laughs> what you missed is right before the broadcast, I got a Black Eyed Peas song stuck in Paul's head. Yes. yes. Pump it. Those are, <laughs> those are dangerous songs, because you can find that beat in everything. Like... Um, Natalie says that Will's is Radar Love. I don't know that song. And hers is Can't Drive 55. I don't know that one either. So I need to listen to both of those. I think like a pump up song. Oh, oh, that's what it is. Planet Shakers has a song called Limitless. And it's, it's basically just talking about how we're limitless. You're limitless, there's nothing you can't. And I would literally like jump and like crazy like jump in my house like anytime it comes on. I'm like, I can is kick it, Satan's butt! Like, don't, that's isn't I George's other one that fight song that Scarlet? Like, this is my fight yeah. song. No, that's not a like pump up song. That's one that you've got to like jam out like that. Like that's his, he jams. George has a few. George also has like big hair bands. Like I, Survivor is one like, I don't remember. I don't remember what they're all called. He, he has a wide variety. He's also like an electronica person. Um, like uh, anything that gets turned into electronica, he really enjoys that. I'll play some of it for you after because I can't think of what it's called. But Kevin, Sticks is a good one. Sticks is a good one. Um, Kevin says ACDC, Thunderstruck, uh, which has become my answer for all things music, apparently. <laughs> Johnny says that he went from 45 to 70, and Holly won't let me listen to it. Is that like you, you sped that whole way there? Uh, Sharla says, good morning, Boomerang. Hey, Miss Sharla, we love you. Yeah, I think for me, Limitless is definitely one that like will get me super pumped. And then Jade, <laughs> so Paul's wife, Jade, she and I went to... Dr. Rodney's, ooh, I touched the microphone, I'm sorry. We went to Dr. Rodney's Minister and Leaders Conference last year, and <laughs> uh, in the morning, like, I have certain songs that I listen to to, like, get me going in the morning, and one of them is African Medley by Ty Tribbett, and I can, like, I can get down to that one. So African Medley, I just, like, start going. And I can see your fate until you, my lord. I can shout, I can dance for you. It's so good. I'm not, I, I can't sing African songs. That's why I'm not singing them on the platform. But if I could, oh, that I would. <laughs> Ashley says that she listens to Minista. I don't know what that is. Minista, sure. 
and laughs at the devil. Uh, oh, thank you, Miss Sharla. Thank you for my haircut. I appreciate it. I just thanked you for my haircut like you did it, but thank you for recognizing the haircut. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, no, I, I had a lot of songs that I used to get super pumped to, but as we've talked about before, music is one of those things that I've had to weed out. But George, mine and George's type of get pumped songs are very different songs. Um, I really am trying to think. The band is called Cascada. Oh, Jade, are you still on? What song do they sing? Like, I can, every time we touch, that's what it is. Every time we touch, I get the feel. That's one of George's, that's one of George's get pumped songs. Like, he'll clean the gym. Oh, yeah, he'll clean the gym and he'll, like, mop to it and he'll, like, just start dancing. I'll get messages from him every now and then being like, I'm dancing so hard right now. <laughs> I have it. You have it? We'll, we'll open the next project. <laughs> I have a George, a couple years ago when he was at school, George is a computer teacher and he'll have downtime. And I have a, like a recording that he made of him hardcore lip syncing fight song. And every time we touch like dancing and oh, it's so great. Um, Jade says that she made up a dance to that song in ninth grade. I love you so much. And I'm so glad that you knew exactly what song I meant. <laughs> Johnny says, Crowder's Run, Devil Run is one. That's a good one. Oh, Kevin, you knew the song. The who has the final, final say. say. Jehovah has the final say. I did not know that Jade was on a dance team. <laughs> I didn't know that either. I didn't know this either. Where are these pictures? <laughs> I, I don't understand how she was. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings me to my next thing. Jay thought she still remembered how to do some dance from High School, school Musical. So the other day I was like, really? Well, let's see this. So I pulled it up on YouTube. Remember, not a single dance move. <laughs> Jade, I'll do the dance with you. I remember the high school music. And then after you. listening to the song, I felt like that was four minutes of my life that I would the, never which be one? able to get back. That we're and all in this was, together. Yes, yes. Once and we I was, I was super upset because I thought at least I was going to get a dance <laughs> out of it, and it there was nothing. I received nothing but a horrible song in my head for the rest of the day. Deb says that Def Leppard, Rock of Ages, is one of her get pump so pumped songs, not pup. <laughs> and Jade said, Eo would have been so pleased with me for the attempt. I want to see this, so. <laughs> I thought I thought about it, I videotaped it, like her gazelle run. I still want to see that. I videotaped it. Did you? Yes. We can yeah. open up the broadcast with that tomorrow. <gasps> the one from or this Wednesday. weekend? Yeah, of her running like a, Julie! a gazelle. Hey, Julie. That'd be funny. <laughs> Jade I showed Serena earlier. Has some pretty <laughs> solid dance moves. Uh, what do you guys yeah, say? It depends on what you call <laughs> solid. Now, that's not. That's not. You know, I mean, I'm all about lifting people up. But let's also keep some honesty in there. What's <laughs> one of your get pump songs, gentlemen that are just now joining, buddy? Yeah, we apologize. We were in a meeting and we did not need to break it, but uh, it was good. It was a bunch of pastors praying over our city and county and in our country. It was awesome, but we didn't need to. We were slated to leave and be here in plenty of time. Didn't happen, but it was good. It was good. Amen. Which one of your get pump songs? 
pump it. Louder. Um, no. <laughs> I got black eyed peas stuck in his head. It's been my mission today. I got a feeling. Ooh, I got a feeling <laughs> that tonight's gonna you don't be like the black a good night. In my my bartending days, oh, those oh, are oh. songs that you heard on repeat That's all, you have to all say. night, every That's night. So it's like when they come in, it's like, get out of my head. Mm -hmm. Paul also oh, said on. that it's one of those songs, the Black Eyed Peas. Like you can hear them in any beat. Like it's because it's a very start. generic kind of like upbeat yeah. beat. So you can you can make it. If you just drive down the road, you can make that beat happen between like hearing road noises and stuff. <laughs> and then all it takes is somebody to do the louder, and it's like, there you go, here it is. I know my. And the next thing you know, your head's going. It's like, <laughs> oh no. Dang it. <laughs> I'd say my pump up song would be Fergie's version of the national anthem. That was so good. No, um, I like how you did the answer. <laughs> I'm so pleased. That was a great answer. Thank you. No, that's not my. I don't get. No. <laughs> I um, don't. Get it was pumped. a great and horrible answer <laughs> all at the same time. That's like coming in here and being like Friday. I'm, I'm like a good really song. pleased yeah. and really disgusted all no. at the same time. Sometimes I just like to give the worst possible answer, just because. Marky um, just said that Where Is the Love is the only Black Eyed Peas song she will ever like, and now there has been something launched in the atmosphere. You're welcome for what's about to happen to your life. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You asked for that. I did not. Where is the love? I think they're really talented, but I can understand how you'd uh, get tired of hearing it after. Yeah, that whole, that whole like, night. three yeah. years, that was nothing that was on the radio, <laughs> yeah. and that was nothing that was... I get it. Mm. Okay, your serious answer. I apologize. I'm done. No, once you said African love, uh, African love medley. There's, <laughs> so there's a musical uh, that has, is it, what is it called? The, the elephant love medley. But the African medley. Um, that's a good one. Mm -hmm. And anything from musicals. Mm -hmm. Open uh, to life. Like, I, I mean, I got pulled over jamming out to Les Mis, which you, that's not a musical you can jam <laughs> out to. On my own. Um, no, it wasn't even uh, that one. It was, <laughs> it was stars. This I swear by the stars. And then all of a sudden there's lights. I'm like, oh, great. So that, ha that actually happened. I'm going to pray for you and George. Yeah, please you do. Um, yes, please do. I would, I, I would, you give I would get some discernment on whether I'd ever share that story again publicly. <laughs> 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 okay, I'll never it. makes me I respect you in a whole new way. <laughs> Musicals. It makes oh, me man. appreciate you a whole, completely yeah. differently. Like it makes I'd... you appreciate me, but I think a lot of people have lost their respect for <laughs> me. So, it's a, it's a win-lose. <laughs> What's yours? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The musical thing threw him. He's done. I don't. I don't. Uh, the opening to Lion King. <laughs> everybody stopping. This is when you. Yeah. I have I have a going. wide variety of music that I like. So it's uh, but and I don't listen to it hardly ever at all anymore. So it's it's hard for me to say. I don't really have. I would not. I'm not listening to secular music to drive or get pumped up or anything like that anymore. So, I mean, and not trying to be like super spiritual, I just don't. So it's, I don't have an answer for it. Do you have any like songs now though? Like 
uh, we, everybody was giving answers earlier that were not appropriate answers, and they'd be like, I don't listen to it anymore. Oh, things that I used to. Or like, um, no, any now? Any, not secular, but any like Christian songs now that like stir no, you up? No, not really, because I, I don't play, I don't listen to music a whole lot, even, you know, you, ha you're, you have to tell me what's popular now yeah. or else I would not know. Danger so, Zone. Top danger Zone will work. I mean, but it's, I was actually thinking about that some, but that was a little bit. It used to be more than it is today, but there's, a, I like the African medley. I like Ty Tribbett's uh, version of that. There's, um, but most of my songs, I like different praise music. I like some of Teddy's praise music. So uh, Ted uh, Shellsworth Jr., if you don't know, um, but I like I like hearing him praise. I, I was one of my favorite moments in life was literally um, last October at the minister and leaders conference with uh, Dr. Rodney, and uh, Teddy Teddy was there and Dr. Rodney pulled him up and it was an electric atmosphere already. The anointing was there and everything, and then Teddy just started praising and the in a very very good way. The place just came un glued. It was unhinged, and it was awesome. Just the praise of God went up, and I mean, it just, it was awesome. We went to another place, and uh, it was just a great moment, and I like that stuff, but it was, it was really good, but I like worship music, too. There's a song that they did in Africa that really meant a lot to me, um, uh, and I can't, I can't sing it. It's one I sent to you. I think I have an audio recording of it, and the recording does nothing uh, for it being in person, there was, but uh, it's really it was a popular song across uh, Nigeria and Gabon while we were there. But uh, I haven't, I haven't heard it in the states yet. I'd like to hear us do it. So, but it was a worship song. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, the um, what was the. Uh, it's uh, you are Yahweh, you are Yah, you are Yahweh, hey, you are Yahweh, uh, you are Father. Anyway, in Gabon they were singing it a cappella, and man, the Holy Ghost fell on that. I was sitting in the office, and I walked out of the office, and I went, "What is that?" Because that's got the oil of God on it. It was really awesome, and uh, I like I like that stuff. So that's it. <laughs> Ashley says she's waiting for Teddy to make a camp meeting CD. I know. <clears throat> she says the river worship it all is awesome. It really is. They they have an atmosphere there of worship. And if you hear, um, uh, is it Pastor Chris that's the worship leader there? Oh man, hearing him talk about worship, I like I like just hearing him talk. Marky has told us several things about just what he said about worship and. Um, I know the Lord gave something to me some time ago, and we've talked about it. Is uh, a proper worship leader at the end of uh, at the end of worship, a proper worship leader will not be seen at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's the same way a preacher should be. Is at the end of a meeting, a preacher should not be the one seen, but Jesus be the one seen. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think the river does a good job at that, and uh, so I really like that. Amen. She says Ashley says she can't match it. I like it a lot. So there, I took it right out of secular and straight into Jesus. Amen. Is that my job? I think it's kind of my job. But <laughs> anyway, 
but I'll tell you, God's doing something. He's doing something great and magnificent. And uh, just tell what you said this morning when you got when you got to the house. You were coming, yeah. and um, you said, "I can tell." You said, "I can tell." There's a praying church. Just tell tell a little bit about that. So yeah. don't go anywhere yet. Yeah. No, I was actually talking to Serena <laughs> oh, um, about it this morning. Um, just like right after prayer, um, uh, we came home on our way home. I was like, you can tell this is a praying church, um, not just because we have morning prayers and because people pray, um, but you can. But like this is one of the first places that we've actually been able to see the manifestation of the prayers, um, where. We've only been here for three weeks, and we've seen, um, I think there were three instances where people just show up at the church or just pull into the parking lot, and, and like, like some of them were saying, some of them even said, I don't even know why I'm here. I just felt like I needed to pull in, and they were led to the Lord. Like even last night at youth, you know, uh, uh, there, there was a man who, said, who I think messaged somebody and said, hey, I, I need to give my life to the Lord and showed up, you know, at the end of youth and, and two of the guys just went out and led him to the Lord. It's just, I've never been in a place where like, you can literally see that, that the, you know, God's sending, you know, the angels to, to draw people in through the prayers, uh, you know, of the church. You, like on Sunday mornings where, you know, we were like almost every Sunday now we're hearing testimonies of, of, of God doing the miraculous, you, you, you know, necks popping open, people filled with the Holy Spirit, like, um, it's not just uh, like we, we can see that this is a praying church, not just because people, people gather together every once in a while and pray, but we're actually seeing the manifestations of it here, and it's just really neat. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. It is. <laughs> pretty awesome. Makes so, me glad to be here. Amen. <laughs> and I want to, you know, in the middle of that, you know, the person who's overseeing that prayer ministry is Barrett. And she's the one who was here multiple times uh, when nobody else was. But she, her and George were just here praying. And that's the manifestations of that, overseeing that. And, you know, a lot of times we don't recognize the importance of things that we're doing or we don't see it. But then I hear a testimony like that this morning. And that's just the Lord utilizing not just one person. Right. If if I'm the only one being utilized, I have failed at ministry. But he's utilizing all of us in that way. You know, you were the one that led you know to at least two of those guys to the Lord. You and Johnny. Yeah. You know, and so here's Barrett praying. I'm I'm just kind of saying, Lord, give us vision. Let me lead and help grow people up. You're growing up and praying and handling responsibility. You're, you're leading people to the Lord and, and doing that. And everybody, you know, one plants and other waters, all this stuff. And now you're seeing the manifestation every and giving testimony. Every, exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. the way it's supposed to work. And yeah. glory, Priscilla put glory to God. Glory to God. You know, God is so good. He's so yeah. mighty. And yeah. just watching that is so precious. And, um, you know, many times I would... I, I, I was talking to you the other day, and I was asking you, you know, would you do the same thing in the same position, you know, with what you have right now for the next 40 years? And, you know, I ask myself that question a lot is like, okay, let's say we're not believing that God won't increase what we're doing. We know he'll increase it. But what if it didn't? Let, let's just give a hypothetical. What if it did not increase? It all stayed the same. Would you keep doing it 
yeah, look at that. Look at that testimony. Look at what's happening, you know. People being healed as the preaching's happening. People driving up on the property and saying, I need Jesus, you know. <laughs> the, the best thing that came out of last night, the testimony that I, that I was listening to when, you know, me and Johnny got in praying with him was, it's just another thing that goes to show that how powerful your prayers are when you apply the word to them and apply your faith to them. The guy was praying, he knows the lady that's been coming here, his mother-in-law, and she had been praying, and he told us that for the past two weeks, he, he had a drinking problem. For the past two weeks, every time he would open a beer, it would hurt his stomach. One night, he actually thought he was dying after drink one beer and went to the hospital. Oh, my goodness. He said that, I was like, you know why? I was like, because prayers are answered. I was like, he's a supernatural God. Yeah. He's got a calling on your life. I was like, and he started talking to you then. I and was she's like, been praying for literally like a year for the drinking to go away. Like, and she would tell him almost every time she saw him, you won't have a drinking problem And the Holy anymore. Spirit hit him. I mean, he yeah. hit him hard last night. Uh, <laughs> we were praying. I've been wanting to hear the we testimony. We were praying, and I felt like the Holy Spirit told me, put your hand on his head. And when I did, his whole body went limp. I was holding him up with my hand. And then I heard the Holy Spirit tell me, all right, now put your hand back on his stomach. And when I did, he hit him, and he fell to his knees, and the parking lot literally had a wet mark where he was just weeping. And then I told him, I was like, we're going to pray. I was like, and you're going to get filled with the Holy Spirit. I was like, and I was going through it with him, and the next thing you know, he starts praying in tongues right there and stands up, and he was like, wow. He's like, I was like, now did you feel him? He was like, I couldn't help but feel him because my body was shaking. I was like, I don't, I can't do that. And he was like, I know he goes, I just feel different. And I was like, because you are. You stepped out of out of a, a deathly route. I was like, and now you stepped into the kingdom, a heavenly kingdom. I was like, you're made righteous. So I was like, and then I told him, I was like, the same resurrection power that was in Jesus is inside of you. Yeah. Yeah. When I told him that, his eyes just lit up, and I was like, it's you. I was like, he's inside of you. He's yeah. not waiting on you or walking behind you. He is literally with you. And wow. it's just the, the life that came on his face. But it all started because of a, a fervent prayer yeah. for a year. But the faith that she had behind it, that she wasn't going to quit praying, mm -hmm. brought, broke something on his heart. Mm -hmm. It allowed God to move in there and put something on his heart and call him to where he needed to be. And, and now look at the series of events, though, as well, because I know it was either last week or the week before. I prayed over you, and I said, and I specifically said, your hands are going to carry the fire of God now in Jesus name so that was now look at the yeah. the fulfillment of that and so if every part is doing their part then all of a sudden God can move and flow and all the pieces can be in place right at the right thing you know one praying one being out in the parking lot when it needs one uh, whose job is to help raise up and grow and impart and activate and you know there's things activating in you Barrett right now that's just amazing I mean it's some amazing stuff but I, God's so good he's so yeah. good uh, so mighty, so gracious, and it's exciting. It's not. It's not boring. It's not boring, and uh, and it takes a, a real man and a real woman to to walk the walk. But if they'll just give themselves to Jesus, it's awesome. So glory to God. But I loved hearing that. You know, it really it provoked me when you said that this morning about you. Know, you can tell there's a 
praying church. And that goes back, you know, you may or may not know this, you and Serena may or may not know this, but that goes back to about three years ago where the Lord really challenged me. Uh, Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer and my father's house will be a house of prayer. And the Lord said, is Boomerang known as a house of prayer? Is it known as a house of prayer? And I went, no, I don't, I don't really feel like it is, yeah. you know. And I said, I don't, I don't really feel like it is known as a house of prayer. And so your statement this morning, you may not realize it, was very important to me because you said you can tell that Boomerang is a house of prayer. Like not just talking about they are a house of prayer. Like you don't, you might not know, but that is a fulfillment of the word that the Lord said. And that's, you know, when we were seeking God for new vision, and that's why we put in the vision, we confessed it. Boomerang Church is a house of love and prayer. prayer. Uh, living in abundance, winning souls, and making disciples for Jesus. And, and so that's our vision. And, uh, you know, when you see prayer manifesting that way, when you see uh, the ministers of God, the messengers of God, the angels working and bringing supernatural power and dragging people to the parking lot so freedom can happen in their life. This is what God's up to. He's not, he is not a powerless God. He's not yeah. lost his power. His power hasn't ceased. His kingdom is about power and his kingdom is not over. Yeah. It's, a, it's a kingdom of the power of God. And, uh, you know, not too long ago, I heard somebody say about coronavirus, like, I didn't miss anything in that church. And I was thinking, I was thinking, you know what? I've, I've missed a lot, you know, in that. I think it's when you do church right, it, you're excited to come together in the assembly. Uh, if you're not doing church right, then you wouldn't have missed much, you know. But we're doing, when you're seeing the power of God flow like that, it's like, man, I'm excited to get there on Sunday morning and yeah. see what God will do. And, you know, we came in this yesterday, we came in on Sunday morning, and uh, there was, it was different. It was dull and drab and everything. You could tell there was some stuff. And the Lord just, I had a message, and the Holy Ghost said, nope, something different. And I paused and, you know, a lot of times I'll preach and then pray for people. And the Lord said, pray in the Holy Ghost. We prayed in the Holy Ghost. We prayed out the mysteries of God. He says, I want you to pray for people right now. You know, I'm expecting five, ten people. The whole altar was full. And obviously the Holy Spirit knew what to do. Yep. And we pray, man, something broke off. I preach what the Lord tells me to preach. Uh, what, was, what did we call it at the end? Uh, get out of the rut. Or get something. out of the rut. Yeah, something like that. Break out of the rut or some, something like that, which was not what I was going to preach. But I got to the end of it. I had, I had about five different people say, Pastor, that message was for me. I needed that message so much. And I'm just sitting there going, praise God, you know, because I didn't know that. I didn't know what they needed. He knew what they needed. It's exciting to watch the Lord meet people right where they're at. And he does it all the time. He wants to do it all the time. Mm -hmm. 
Well, and Holy Spirit won't jump past where a person is. And I think that's what yesterday was. Yeah. Like you had, <clears throat> the message you had was from the Lord. Like initially that was the Lord's leading. Yeah. But the Lord wants to minister to people exactly where they're at every yeah. single time. Yeah. So we that's couldn't right. go into that message because the people weren't ready for it. We weren't ready for it. We needed to, we needed to receive exactly where we were. Just like with Paul yesterday, it, it wasn't just Paul and Johnny were here. Like we were in the middle of youth, like yeah. youth was going on, but the Holy Spirit knows exactly what each person needs at each time. So it was right for Johnny and Paul to step away, to go meet that man exactly where he needed to be met. And if you yield to the Holy Spirit, he'll flow through you in that way. And he'll meet people as we yield to him. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Well, I mean, even with the morning prayer yesterday, the morning prayer, you, you said it was all over the original yeah. message the Holy Spirit was wanting to do. So it's funny how, like, you can be, prayer was going on with the message, the message was there, everything, but then as soon as yeah. the people came in, the Holy Spirit just checks it. No, it's not. Yeah. No. Well, they were just praying it out a week in advance, you yeah. know, which is fine. That's, you know, but it was, it was, I, I heard Abigail's uh, message last night. We were listening to it on the way home from the other meeting. And I hear her, she said, we prayed this in prayer this morning. She said, and then you might not know it, but the Lord had told me this same, this same passage in Ephesians 4, three days in a row. Then that came out in prayer. I think Deb brought that passage out in prayer, so not Abigail. And then that same passage was in my notes for yesterday's morning. And then she was preaching it last night. And just watching the Holy Spirit flow through so many people to get to the same point and highlight it and empower it. That's the love of God for us. And that's, it's supposed to be that real all the time. It really is supposed to be that real yeah. all the time. But it's, it's not often. So It's also important, just like how been. you... Humble yourself to the Holy Spirit and allow the, the do what the Holy Spirit's asking instead of, well, no, this is the message I've received. Because a lot of ministers sometimes will do right. that. And they'll just, well, this is what I've got. This is what I've prepared for. So we're going to go ahead and preach it. And then you miss the move that would have yeah. happened. But it, that's why I'm thankful that you submit to the Holy Spirit, even if it's something that you've been planning for a month. If the Holy Spirit comes sure. in and says it, you're quick to just throw it to the side and, yeah. okay, you've got something else planned. You've got something bigger and planned in store yeah. that's going to happen today. Well, we're always, if we're being led by God, we're always listening. We always have our spiritual ears open for correction and redirection. Uh, because there may be something that's very timely that needs to happen, or there could be that I missed it, or it could be, because I do at times, or it could be that I was right on top of where I needed to be, uh, but he was going to give something fresh, you know, hot off the press that was absolutely needed, and now that's prepared for the next week. I still have put in the work's not wasted. The, yeah. the study is not wasted by any means. It's simply a matter of God knows how to get you where he needs to get you. And sometimes in order to go from point A to point B, he's got to take you to a point A and a half to go around a big problem here to get you to that place. And so he'll show you, he'll redirect you, but he'll get you where you need to go if you just learn to trust him. And I've learned to trust him in that. One of the things that um, 
You know, it's interesting because in this series that we've been in right now, talking about uh, it's time for an awakening, not the What's Right series, but at Boomerang on Sunday morning, it's time for an awakening. Uh, we've been on the radio broadcasting across the county for this whole time. And so here uh, we're broadcasting across the county. And, you know, last week was a three-hour service. And, you know, that's not your normal service in America. And I'm, you know, I don't even know if they broadcast the whole thing. I don't know. Like, did they stop us at some point? I'm not sure. Did they? Here's another thing. You know, yesterday I started praying for people and praying in tongues. Well, it's going across the radio, across the whole, you know. Now I'm giving interpretation and things that need to happen in terms of order, but not everybody's up to speed on all that. I'm wondering, you know, because I go straight to praying for people. Then I preach after that. So it's, what I'm getting at is your point is we need to be not as much concerned with appearances, but Holy Ghost, what do you want to do? And that's how you get to the places because obedience always brings the blessing. Mm-hmm. Obedience to God always brings the blessing. Just put that in the comments right now. Obedience to God always brings the blessing of God. And we want to see the blessing of God. And the beauty is that broadcasting, a lot of people, when they listen to a message, when it gets time for their closing prayers, they'll cut the broadcast off. Yeah. And it could have been something that Holy Spirit was wanting to get to somebody that was yes. listening to the broadcast because yes. he knew praying was going to speak to that spirit man inside and unlock yes. something and trigger an ear to listen all the way through and allow him to move through a stereo and touch somebody that normally would have cut him off when it was time yeah. for the ministry to start happening. Amen. Yeah. Oh, I feel like it falls perfect, like the, when you were talking about redirection, that falls so so in sync with where you were. chair over here, Bear. Yeah, I was going to say, we have our own little thing, and you're just there. Well, I was I expecting we to leave. This was like the men's edition. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was the He-Man Woman Haters Club. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but no, like what you were kind of talking about um, with... Uh, like the rut, it's so it's so hard to be redirected when your mindset is just focused on, or it's your mind is set. You know, yeah. this is the way it's been. This is what I'm doing. I mean, there there's a lot of Christians in the world today who God gave them an instruction and they set themselves in that destruction, but they didn't open themselves up. You know, to to continual flow of like following the Holy Spirit and listening to Him and being redirected. So, like, God will give them an initial instruction, and then they'll say, okay, I, like, I'm doing it now, and then they just close their ears off, and they do the same thing for the rest of their lives. And they can miss a lot of instruction from God because they've just fallen under a rut. Yes, you know, yeah. Where, yeah, God could have led them to that point. Well, when God called me, he called me into youth ministry. Right now I'm not strictly doing youth ministry, but God gave me a redirection, and, you know, he'll... He might lead me back into that. He might, like, whatever he does. Like, I know that that was the original instruction of God. It's like, if I want to get home, you know, yes. today, like, God, like, and I'm like, God, I don't know how to get home. Like, show me to get where I need to go. He'll say, okay, go out and turn right. Well, if I go out and turn right, and then I just say, okay, that's the instruction of God. I turn right, and then I just go. I'm never, I'm never going to get home because... Yeah. Because, yeah, I begin going in that direction, but then I need to be redirected so that I can get to the destination that I need yes. to get to. 
And so that, that's why it's so important for us to be constantly open to, to the flow of the Spirit, to where if he's going to redirect me, I mean, the Bible says in Isaiah, um, it says, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it as you turn to the right or yes. to the left. So as you're moving and as you're turning, then he'll say, no, this is the way that I want you to go now. And you go and then, and as you're going, he'll say, okay, now this is the way. That's how God yes. operates. He doesn't give one instruction and then you're set in your ways. I mean, he, he could do that for some people, but, but even then, there's still instruction for the, mm-hmm. like daily that they'll need to be listening to and following through as they're, as they're walking that out. And I think that's where a lot of people miss it. They get caught in a rut. Well, this is what God, God said 50 years ago, and they don't realize that God's saying, I'm doing a new thing now. Yeah, you know? yeah. And that's, that's when it can be easy to get caught up in a rut or a tradition or just religious rhetoric where we're saying the same thing over yeah. and over again. Well, hey, hey, Darla, good to see you again. What you're talking about is actually the word that the Lord spoke to me in order for me to be here in Albemarle mm-hmm. the first time. Um, when I was trying to figure out what I was supposed to do, um, I knew that the Lord had told me to go back to Maine, and I'd been there a couple of years, but I also felt the pull to be here. And I, Teddy, uh, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr., he was preaching a message, and I remember turning it on. Um, I was at work. But I was able to turn it on, and he started preaching about Abraham and Isaac, you know, Abraham's original instruction that he was given was go, go and sacrifice your son. Like, go sacrifice Isaac. Like, that's what he was told to do. He was told he was going to have a son. Mm-hmm. He had a son, and then the Lord said, go sacrifice him. Mm-hmm. If Abraham's ears hadn't been opened to the redirection of stop, mm-hmm. get the ram that's caught mm-hmm. in the thicket, he mm-hmm. would have killed off the inheritance that was waiting that's for good. him. But mm-hmm. because his ears were open to the Lord, mm-hmm. he was able to take what the Lord had actually prepared, yeah, proved his heart, mm-hmm. and then the Lord was able to flow through that. And when yeah. I heard it, I knew my original instruction was to be here, but the Lord saying, I'm birthing a new thing, go here. Yeah. And so, yeah. That's very good. Very good. Amen. Amen. Everybody got quiet. <clears throat> Way to drop truth bombs. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, that, that thing in particular, it's been a big thing that I've gone back to throughout the course of my walk with Jesus, mm-hmm. especially since moving here. You know, there are different things in transition <clears throat> right now. And, um, you know, when pastor first brought them to me, it was a no. The Lord said this, and the Lord immediately when I had that in my heart, the Lord immediately brought me back to seven years ago in the break room of my job saying, remember, this was an instruction and now it's time to turn. Now it's time to turn. Mm -hmm. Now it's time to turn. And with every turning, it's not getting you off that point. You know, I've had this picture of like a lock in my brain the last, or in my spirit the last couple weeks when I've been praying. And so often we think of like, a redirection from the Lord is this great big life altering. I must have missed it so much. Like the Lord's telling me to do this now. But really what it is, is you're just getting closer and closer to the correct combination that's about to unlock the things of God for you. And you've got to grease the wheel on that lock in order for it to get you to the numbers that will unlock the things of God. And so it's just because he redirects doesn't mean you missed it. It just means he's saying, now it's time to do a new thing. It's time to go a new way. Yeah, and you see David do that often. Yeah. Like that was literally like one of one of my favorite qualities of David is that any time a situation came up, mm-hmm. the Philistines are camping nearby. Mm-hmm. What what does the word say? And David inquired of the Lord. Like that's like that's like my favorite thing to hear whenever I'm reading through like especially Old Testament. Yeah. That then they inquired of the Lord because then you'll hear like 
in Joshua. And they did not inquire of the Lord, you know, and like <laughs> things didn't go very well. But you read, but like it, it's really cool to see how David didn't just take, well, God said this to me 30 years ago yeah. when a similar situation took place. Therefore, God wants me to do the same thing. No, yeah. like, like each time he asked God for instruction, asked God for guidance and direction. And because of that, that's what made him king. That's what made him successful. Because like there's like one chapter in um where, where, you know, the same situation happens two times in a row. The Philistines camped nearby, and David inquired the Lord the first time, should, should I go against them? God said, yeah, go against them, you'll defeat them. Then like, five, like 10 verses later, the exact same situation comes up, and David didn't just go, oh, well, this is what happened last time, so I'm just going to do it again. Look, no, he said, he, yeah. he inquired of the Lord again, and God said, no, actually, don't go against them, mm-hmm. you know, Go, go around them and, you know, and God gave him an instruction, you know, that will lead him to victory that time. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's why it's important for us to always, you know, have that. I'm going to inquire of the Lord and be led by the Lord yeah. from not from where I was yesterday, <clears throat> but from where I am today. And God's going to give you that 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 yeah. new instruction because God wants us to walk in his will probably more than we do. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why it's important for us to uh, to be open and to have our ears open to being willing and, and uh, obedient to follow yeah. the instructions. Well, and even like Moses, when he comes to mm-hmm. the rock in the wilderness, yeah. the, you know, the first time the Lord says, strike it. The second time he says, speak to it. Mm-hmm. And this this action leads to the place where he doesn't enter into the promised land. So uh, the promised land represents to us every solution and every bit of salvation that we'll ever need. In other words, it's the answer. It's the saving grace of God to take us wherever it is. So that can be healing, provision, deliverance, restoration, protection. It can be the fellowship with God. All of these things can be uh, of the Lord and our salvation. But if we don't learn how to hear from the Lord and... not assume like your story, like your story is in in the word. If we don't assume that, uh, if we assume that what he said and yeah. the direction that he gave me will never change, he'll never redirect me. Then, the, in truth, we could never be promoted. Mm-hmm. You know, you would always be God would always hold you at the exact same level. Yet we know that he wants to increase us. Uh, but we won't enter into the places of salvation. And so, but not only that, I've, I've asked this question. The Lord brought this up to me, myself, some years ago. And most of the time, if you look at the timeline of people's lives, if you look at the timeline of their life, you know, they start back here at the beginning, really going after God. And that's where they hear from the Lord a lot of times their instruction and their place and their position. And then they run on that revelation for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. But now what you've got to do, though, is look at it like this. From this point forward, shouldn't this person all along this way be growing Shouldn't they be maturing in that path? Absolutely. They should be growing and maturing the whole way. So in other words, this person should be much more mature than this person. So we're going to base our whole life on the place where we heard from God in the least uh, mature place of our lives. 
No, we, we always, we lay ourselves on the altar daily. We crucify our flesh daily. And by doing that, it helps us to keep us unbiased and with, without being called up in some of the younger, uh, immature thinking that we've had before. I know for me, I've gone back and many of the things that I thought I knew or doctrines I thought I had at the beginning of my ministry I've gone back now and I'll put them back on the altar like Isaac. I'll put it back on the altar and it may be something, it may be something that is huge. It may be something that's so important, but I'll lay it back on the altar because if it was God then, yeah. it will be God today. Yeah. And what I'm doing is I'm, and that's not, um, that's not being dishonorable to God. That's actually honoring his word that says, look, test the spirits, test your discernment, uh, study to show yourself approved, believe God that you're going to increase. So uh, many times I found that as I, as I check that, some of my thinking and some of my doctrines have now changed, not because God changed, but because I've grown more mature and I've seen more in the word and I know more of the scripture than ever before. And one of the things as a you know minister now that's been ministering for over over 20 years, which is really not a long time, but one of the things that I'm seeing is, and it's really sticking out to me, is the scripture that says, you do err not knowing the word, not knowing the scripture, nor the power of God. And so I'm watching so many people that are saying things about this word and but they're disregarding something over here that was said or something over here and they're not taking the full counsel of the word and because they don't know it's in the bible they're spouting it like it's like it's doctrine but it's taken out of context and it's really doing a lot of damage to people and to the church and to the world and that means we've got to be humble enough to take what we think we know put it on the altar again even if we feel yeah. like god gave it to us yeah you know, I have things, I have vision. You know, there's a whole story where God gave me vision. I know it was from God. And then later on, he told me to kill it. Mm -hmm. And I needed to kill it. There's reasons why I needed to kill it. But I'm going to tell you, that was tough on me. That, that, that was tough on my, not me, the spirit man. It was tough on the flesh man. The flesh man had a hard time with it. But had I not done that, I would have been causing division. I had to kill that vision. And in that, I found a lot, uh, found a, out a lot about the heart of God and covenant and unity. And also found that it, just like with Isaac, he received Isaac back again. As, as like a new gift. And so when God gave me vision again and it was from him, it was like I was receiving it fresh again. Like I had never had that gap where that vision was killed. And so I needed to trust him in that, trust him in that process and not just go through all the logic of it. But many people, they're like, well, I've got this doctrine from God, and I know it's from God. Well, he probably showed you a piece of it. But generally with God, he's so big, and he's so great, and he's so mighty that he'll give us building blocks. And that may be one building block, but it's not the big picture because he's so big. And we'll hold on to that one little building block like it is the revelation that will change all of humanity. And it's just the one building block in the bigger piece that really will give us that foundation. You know, think about like the pyramids uh, in Egypt. There's, there's 
stones, some of those stones, you know, that are there, I don't know the actual size, but I've seen like men climbing on them and everything. There's some big blocks there. I mean, you're talking about, I think some of them are like 20 ton stones. And, but if you look at that one block, you'd, you'd go, wow, that's a huge, that's a huge rock. But then if you zoomed out and you saw that that block was one of thousands to make the pyramid, you'd see that this vision's a lot bigger than the one revelation. Mm -hmm. And so many times we hold on to that one revelation like we're, we're the you know, next, you know, next one that heard directly from God and we've got this great revelation. We need to just back off of our big head and, and humble ourselves and let the Lord show us who he really is. Let him zoom out and show us the fullness of his kingdom. And that takes humility, though. That it takes really a humble spirit and the willingness to put what we think we know mm -hmm. on the table, on the altar, and, yeah. and let the Lord kill it. And if he kills it, he kills it. And there's something else you know, that we need to see. If he, if he doesn't kill it, then it was him. And yeah. I'm, I'm good with that. I'm completely comfortable with that. Um, one thing I won't, I won't put on the altar because I know that I know that I know is he is love. Mm -hmm. He is pure, absolute love. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I won't put on there is my job as a child is to believe on him in that love. Mm -hmm. Those two things there. I, those are, those, his responsibility is to be love, and my responsibility is to believe him. Do, this is the work that you believe on him that he sent. And uh, other than that, I'll take, I'll take it all. I'll take, I've taken tongues. I can't tell you how many times I've taken tongues and put it on the altar and said, Lord, if this is not you or how I'm operating in it is not you, show me, show me again. I've put it on the altar so many times. Women in ministry, I've put it on the altar so many times. Because a lot of times what we don't realize is we've been taught, we really hit on a good thing uh, last week. We don't realize it, it's something that's actually come up multiple times. It came up over the weekend. It came up again today at the meeting we were at is that, you know, Second Chronicles, or 16, 7, Second Chronicles, or First Chronicle. Anyway, uh, if my people, you know, called by my name will humble themselves and, and pray. Uh, I think. Second Chronicles. I think. And uh, so if my people will humble themselves and pray uh, and turn from their wicked ways. Now, and if you hear that, and even Isaiah is a man of God, and in Isaiah 6, he says, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I'm in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Then all of a sudden, what you see is that the people of God still have some wickedness and some uncleanness in them, and to not understand that, and, and he says in 1 John, he says that our flesh he said, if you, if you say that you have no sin, you're deceiving yourself already. So we need to recognize those things and understand that, watch this, even things that have been preached mm -hmm. to us with well-meaning hearts mm -hmm. come from a wickedness of men and women generations before who were raised in a corrupted land amongst a corrupted people. And so let's back up two or three generations, four or five, ten generations. There's very likely that somebody started a doctrine 
that was not based off the love of God. And at first it wasn't accepted, but then it became accepted in a corrupt society. And now it's accepted by the people, and all of a sudden it becomes accepted by others. And then so people keep trying to preach it and keep trying to say and finding scriptures out of context that will back it up. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves having been raised in a doctrine that's not of God. And so that's why we must challenge, and it says in Acts chapter 17, I believe it's verse 11, it says the Bereans were more noble than them all because they would take what Paul was preaching and they would go back and they would search the scriptures and find out if it was true. In other words, we must boil it back down to the scriptures that are inspired by the Holy Ghost and the things that we think we know. And the reason we think we know them is because we grew up in a society and an environment that obviously still has some corruption in it. So what shouldn't be questioned in that? And the only thing that shouldn't be questioned basically is that God is love. And so all of these doctrines, if I put them on the altar and it's God, it will come through the fire. But if it's not God, it'll be burned up and we're all better for it. So I don't, I've learned that I don't assume to know what I think I know. But Lord, let me go back to your scripture. Let me find out what is you and and there's no corrupted man in it. Let me see uh, your love and faith. Let me apply love and faith. Let me apply your love and my faith in your love. Let me, uh, let's see it. And what you'll find is the Bible doesn't contradict itself at all. But when you see the absolute love of God and we apply it with childlike faith, all of a sudden the Bible works and it falls together just so beautifully because God knows exactly what he's doing. Mm -hmm. But we have to be humble in order uh, to approach it in that way. And that's what I found have tripped up, has tripped up myself and tripped up so many men and women is because they don't approach it in that way. They're coming in with a lot of bias and uh, environment influences, even influences that they've grown up in church. I have watched men stand in the pulpit and preach hate and call it love. Mm -hmm. I have watched men stand in the pulpit, preach hate, and call it love. And it's the furthest thing from it is straight from the pits of hell. But yet they believed wholeheartedly that they were doing God a service. And if you don't believe that that's possible, check back in the Gospels with the Pharisees. Who the Son of God himself was standing in front of them in front of them. They've been searching the scriptures. Their job was to search the scriptures for the Messiah. He comes and manifests, stands in front of them. One, they don't recognize him. Two, they kill him. Mm -hmm. It can happen. And it does happen on a regular basis. There's a problem because people have not humbled themselves to this level where they've said, all right, Lord, you know, let me be who you've called me to be and let me be nothing more. Let me say only what you say like Jesus did and only do what I see you doing. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is where we need to live at. Well, and revelations that we have are not just for us. You know, I think so often it's really easy. Like this morning, the Lord spoke something to me in prayer and there was like a half a second where my flesh was nervous about sending it to you. I always send anything the Lord tells me to Pastor Brian directly so he can help continue to mentor me in that. And when I got it, for a split second, I was, I, I don't know if this is 100% right, so I, 
I don't know if I'm going to tell him just yet. And that thought immediately, you were talking yesterday, triggers, you know, set yeah. triggers for yourself. That thought immediately, if there's ever a thought of I'm not going to tell pastor or I'm going to wait to tell pastor, that's a trigger to no tell him right now. Because when I receive something, it's not just for me, it's for the body as a whole. You know, it says in the word that ministers, teachers, instructors, they'll be judged double for what they do with those under their charge. And it's like that for you of people that you're called to disciple, but what you believe you're going to impart to them. So if you believe something that's even an iota off the scripture, you're going to be held yeah. responsible for imparting that into people. And so I don't have the luxury of holding on to something that's like a pet yeah. theology of mine that's or a right. pet that's doctrine of mine right. because I am going to be held responsible by Jesus for those that he's placed under me that I then impart wrongly to. If I do it right, if I do it wrong, it's going, it's going to be credited to me. So I have to humble myself, especially as the days draw near, because there are those that need to hear the good news. And if I only know the good news in 70%, but I'm 30% off, I'm yeah. not going to give them the full good news. I'm going to give it to them partially. Yeah. It's, it goes back to just what you were talking about with deception, you know, uh, throughout this teaching. Like, those who are deceived, I mean, the root of deception means you don't know that you're deceived. Yeah. And so, and so it's important for us to have that humility and have that heart where we're always saying, God created me a pure heart. You know, if there's anything within me or within my doctrine that's wrong, God corrected it. And that's why he gives us teachers and, and pastors. Um, but, but it's important. Like, this is why, you know, like, it, it's important for us to pray. Like, what well, Paul prayed, God, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation of the knowledge of you. And that's, that's like one of my biggest prayers, you know, yeah. for for, for people, especially for myself, you know, God, give us that spirit of wisdom and revelation of the knowledge of you so, so that um, as I, the more I begin to know you, the more you'll begin to expose the things in me that shouldn't be there. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm always praying, God, lead me away from deception. Lead me away from these things because, you know, there's a lot of people that I know and love that, that would call me deceived, you know. And, and that just reminds me, okay, I need to continue to pray and seek God so that, you know, um, so that I know. And, and there's, there's some humility in that. Um, but, you know, like God, lead me away from deceptions because how many times do, do we see in, in Scripture, don't be deceived? Yes. You know, and, and, and when you see that so frequently in yeah. Scripture, it really challenges you to check your heart because even Paul admit, like noted that, like he said, I need to beat myself into subjection. Otherwise, I myself, after preaching, could become disqualified. Like, mm -hmm. he, he, he said, like, like, basically what he was saying was, if I, I have the opportunity to miss it if I don't watch myself closely. Mm -hmm. and, and like what we were talking about earlier, continuously being led by the Spirit of God, mm -hmm. where, like, I'm always going to be open to correction. I'm always going to be open through humility to, to being led by the Spirit and to admitting like what you're saying, like laying our doctrines, you know, down at the, you know, at the feet and saying, God, you know, lead me, direct me and guide me so that, you know, I, I'm, I'm steering away from deceptions. And especially as teachers, as pastors, as leaders, yeah. um, as bosses, as CEOs, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's important for us to make sure um, that we are in everything that we're doing being led by the Spirit because that doesn't just affect us. But Paul even says it affects 
us and our hearers. Mm -hmm. Or he said that to Timothy. So to save you and your hearers, it's important. Mm -hmm. There was, um, I, I talk about this. Think about this. Think, please think about this. So I think it's in Mark, I think it's in Mark 16 or it's Matthew 28 it's where the Great Commission is. I think it's Matthew 28. But Jesus says, all power and authority has been given unto me. Now, when he says all there, uh, that signifies that the devil has no power left. There's zero power. There's zero power for the devil. However, then you have to ask yourself this question, then how does the devil get so much corrupted and horrible things done in the world? And it all goes back to the one weapon that the devil has is deception. There's one weapon that the devil has, and it is deception. And so you think about it, if I can take away that one weapon, man, this thing's, this thing's wrapped up. You know, I've got it wrapped up. Okay, and do you know that we have the ability to take away... First of all, we've got the whole book of truth right here. So the more we know this book, the less deception will be. But one of the keys to deception is... What you said, which I've been saying it for a long time, is by definition, to be deceived means we don't recognize that we're deceived. Mm -hmm. So it kind of puts you in a rock and a hard place. Like, if I'm deceived, I don't know that I'm deceived. So how do I wake up to that deception? And the waking up to that deception has everything to do with humility. If the devil's one weapon is deception, then I ought to be doing everything I can do to, to keep myself away from deception and help others be away from deception. And that means I should give myself wholeheartedly yeah. to humility, yeah. to submitting myself to God, and to not sitting up like I think I know something. If that's the, that's the very beginning of being deceived is being in pride. Oh, I think I've arrived. I think I know something. And so when the church starts to realize that, you know, compared to who, who God is and how big he is, and when he makes statements like, I, I want to bless you uh, super abundantly, abund- above all that you can ask or think, above all that you can imagine, you start to realize, I don't know a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff. You know, I... I remember, you know, it's the the teenager thing. You get the biggest worldview that you've ever had before. You get the biggest worldview that you've ever had before. All of a sudden, you think you've arrived at an opinion. You have arrived at a opinion. It just might not be the opinion that counts. And it may be, it might not be, but there's a lot bigger worldview beyond that. And the more years you go beyond that, the more you find out there's more going on than what meets the eye. There's always more happening than what you can see. And so the more you understand the different worldviews and the different things that are happening, you can put it into place. You know, I saw somebody the other day say, well, why isn't this person doing something? I was like, there's a lot more going on than just what you see in the media. There's a lot more going on. There's bigger things at play than what's being seen right now. 
And many times what happens is, all right, the devil has one weapon, and that's deception. So in Revelation 12, there's like four places, Revelation 12, Revelation 20, but here's 12, 9. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. And you see that every time that the devil comes into the world and goes out of the world, he takes one thing with him, and that's deception. So if that's his only weapon, what can we do? We can say, Lord, I humble myself to you. You know, if you've spoken to me directly in your word, or you've spoken to me directly by the Holy Ghost, and I know that it's you, I've got confirmation that it's you, and it doesn't go contrary to your word, okay, I can stand on that. But if it's not clear in the word and it's not clear, I'm having to try and figure out, is this God or is it not? You know, then I need to make sure that it's you before I start speaking it before, because I can now lead other people into deception. And many times, you know, of course, another guardrail of this is you have people that it says the devil himself appears as an angel of light. And so many people think that they've heard certain things from God because they were praying. There's a great story that I know of where a lady got completely demon-possessed. And she says, I know when it happened. I went up and I tried to get God to move in the service. And I stepped out out of order and tried to make it happen myself. She said, and something came in me right in that moment. So my point in this is, is this. Just because you're praying or just because you're in church doesn't mean it was God talking to you. Yep. That doesn't mean it. That's where you need to have the foundation of the word and you need to have a foundation of a planting of God yeah. uh, with a pastor, with men and women of God who do know the word, yeah. who have experience with God, who are not ignorant about spiritual things. And that's how you get confirmation over those things. Yeah. Um, you don't just say, well, I heard it, and now it's like what the Lord said to me earlier. He gave me vision. I know it was God-given vision, but then he told me to kill it. And so many people will hear that vision. They'll try to hold on to it forever and never get any redirection from the Lord or even offer it up to, you know, all right, Lord, is this actually you? Yeah. They And they're not willing to. They'll come, you know, many times people... Uh, your your wife sent a message this morning. She said, "Hey, I think I might have heard something." She sent. She said, "But I want to." She did so good. She said, "I want to send this early before I start, you know, forming opinions on it." Pastors, what are you thinking about? It was a pretty big deal what she was asking, and I and I said, "I'm so glad you brought this early before you got it concrete set in your heart." Because if you get a wrong thing set in your heart. It can completely deceive you and then deceive yeah. others as well. Yeah. But if you get a right thing set in your heart, oh man, it can pull down strongholds yeah. and fortresses mm -hmm. and the power of God can move it. So what does this all come back to? Humility. Yeah. And so if you look at, look, look at this, go to James chapter 4. While you're turning, yeah. you know, as you're talking, it reminds me, we started doing... Um, prayer daily here at the church almost about a year ago. And when we first started talking, um, one of the people who helped to oversee it at the time, she was talking and said, you know, it's not just 
the Holy Spirit on the spiritual highway. Like it's not, the Holy Spirit's not the only spiritual entity. So as you're entering into prayer, just because you hear it, what pastor's saying is so valid. Just because you hear a voice as you're praying does not mean that that's the voice of the Holy Spirit. It could be any other sort of spiritual force trying to talk to you, getting you to take the wrong exit. And what happens when you take the wrong exit on a highway? You get derailed, you get delayed. At best, you get lost. Sometimes you hit construction. Sometimes it's an accident. But either way, it's wrong. So if they can get you to take a wrong exit, they'll get you off the path. So the guardrails against that is exactly what pastor's saying. It's the word of God. It's knowing the Holy Spirit. It's knowing his voice. It's knowing the word and being deeply and firmly rooted and planted inside it ensures that you won't hear the wrong voice because my sheep know my voice. Hey, Paige, good to see you. We love you. So you look at uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. This is such an important point. So if the devil's only weapon is deception, then we should do everything we can to guard against that deception. And we do that by Mm -hmm. the scripture and by being planted and then confirming that not only with scripture, but confirming it where God has planted us. And so that's how we beat back Deception. I want you to see this. And humility is that. If we don't humble ourselves and if we don't sit there, you know, we've been talking about it for 30 minutes, but we could talk about it for days and days. If we sit there and think that we have arrived and we think that we know, we are making ourselves prime to let the devil have the one weapon that he has, deception. We prime the pump for him just to pump deception right into us. And then we don't know that we're deceived. And now we're not only are we deceived, our life, life and our blessing goes down. But then the people around us goes down. The people we're connected to, our friends, our family, our children, everything goes down. Because we gave ourselves to that deception. So watch this. This is huge. So you went to James 4. I'm going to read in, James, in 1 Peter 5, verse 5. First, and then go to James 4. 1 Peter 5, 5. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders. So what is that subjection? That's submission, that's humility. Mm -hmm. Now, in other words, he's not just saying submit yourself to anybody. He's saying submit yourself to people of God, and therefore you submit yourself to God, right? You submit yourself to him as you submit yourself to others that are in leadership over you. Mm-hmm. And he says, submit yourself to your elders, and all of you, watch this, clothe yourselves with humility. Mm-hmm. It, this is not something that we're supposed to take and put it on one day and not have it on another day. Mm-hmm. This is what we're supposed to walk in every day of our life. Clothe yourself with humility. Mm-hmm. Then it says, uh, towards one another. So this is now not just your leaders. It's towards everybody around you. Humility. For God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So now watch this. He gives grace. That's a supernatural empowerment and favor. A supernatural empowerment and favor that he gives to humble people. Oh, man. But if we're proud, God himself is opposed to us. We're not going to win that. We're talking about God here. We don't want to put ourselves running the opposite direction of God. We're not going to end up on the good side of that. So how do we avoid that? Humble ourselves. Mm -hmm. And he gives grace to the humble. Verse 6, 
Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. So he's not saying humble yourself to ungodliness right. or ungodly people or ungodly preaching. He's saying humble yourself to godliness and godly people and godly preaching. But understand this, just because they're godly people doesn't mean that they're going to get it right all the time. Yeah. You know, some people think that their pastor is going to be their pastor just as long as he gets it all right. Well, you're not going to have any pastors because I met a bunch of them. I ain't never seen one of them that got it all right. And I definitely hadn't gotten it all right. You know, so, and, and the Lord said to me years ago, he said, you know, he said, if you, had, if, if you had to be perfect to preach, who would preach? Uh, nobody. <laughs> nobody, because you don't have to be perfect to preach. Um, you, you have to be going after God. Your direction has to be there. And you should see fruit on that minister, okay. the uh, fruit of godliness in that, in that place. If God's planted you and you, they got fruit and they're going after God and they're not backtracking, you don't, you don't go away. Yeah. You don't leave in that way. You don't uproot yourself. You make sure that you stay right there in that, in that place. Now, then you see where it says, He's opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. God wants us to be exalted. Mm -hmm. God's not trying to, he's not withholding any good thing for those who walk uprightly. And then, then he says this, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So see, many things that would cause us to not humble ourselves is because we're fearful that if we, that if we sit back and don't do anything, that I'm not going to be protected, that I won't have the blessing. But God's saying, humble yourself to me, humble yourself to my ways, and I'll protect you. Cast that anxiety, cast that care. You're not anointed to carry that. Cast that weight on me because I care for you. Mm -hmm. This is what God's saying. And if we know that we know that we know that he cares for us, that his arm is not shortened to, to touch our lives, then all of a sudden I don't have to carry the weight of it. I can let him carry it. I'm not worried about it. I, can, I don't have to be anxious. Yeah. And this allows me to humble myself. Yep. I don't have to protect myself. I don't have to defend myself. Mm -hmm. He's allowing me, he's allowing me to relax and rest in his protection in the shadow of the Almighty. Yeah. Then he says, uh, watch this, verse 8, be of sober spirit, be on the Lord, alert. Your adversary, the devil, be sober. So don't be drunk. Don't be drunk in the thoughts and ideas of the world. Don't be drunk with pride. Don't, what, let me say it this way. Don't be drunk with a lack of humility yeah. and a lack of submission. Don't be drunk on it. Because if you are drunk on a lack of humility or a lack of submission, you have an adversary that wants to steal, kill, and destroy you, yeah. and he will. So don't be, he's telling us, this is the Holy Spirit telling us, don't, if you don't have, if you have a lack of humility, you're not being sober, is what you can see in here. If you are trying to carry the weight and carry all of your responsibility and all your cares yourself, you're being drunk in pride thinking that you're the one that's supposed to handle it all. Yeah. You're not. We're not. Mm -hmm. All right? But he says this. He says, your adversary, the devil... You know, he pulls them out by name. 
prowls around like a roaring lion. Now, he's not one, but he presents himself. I always get the picture of Tom and Jerry where the mouse stands in front of the, the flashlight and projects the shadow up on the wall, and the mouse is here, but the shadow is like this. That always, I always think of that when I see this verse. He says he's seeking someone to devour. He has to seek because not everybody can be devoured. We should take strength in that. He can't just come and devour you. He's seeking someone who's positioned to devour. And according to these scriptures, who's positioned to be devoured? The The prideful, the lack of humility, the one who tries to carry it all. Mm -hmm. Okay. The one who thinks that it's their job to find to be the solution to everything. He says, but resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. In other words, you have people around the world who are facing things, but they're winning. Yeah. He says, take hope. They're, they're winning and you're going to win too. You're, you just do what I'm telling you to do. Submit yourselves to one another. Humble yourself to the hand of God. Don't try to carry all the weight and you will be sober and you'll win too. And the devil can't do anything with you. Yeah. All right. Now let's go to James 4. James 4 and verse 6. But he gives not just a grace, mm-hmm. but a greater grace. Oh, I want to hear, how, how does this greater grace come? This would be awesome. He gives not just a grace, but a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Again, we're seeing it again. Supernatural favor and power is given yeah. to the humble. Yeah. Watch this, verse 7. Submit, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee to you. Because he gives grace to the humble, he says, look, you should find it easy to submit yourself to God because in humility he'll give you the supernatural things you need. Mm -hmm. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Verse 8, draw near to God. You know, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love, I love the picture of that. Mm -hmm. Draw near to God. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. And then it says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. And what that's saying is, don't sit there and act like you don't have issues. Get it done with. Get rid of the junk. Handle it. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Now, we know he wants us to have the fullness of joy. He's saying, don't sit there in pride and act like you got nothing. Mm -hmm. You got nothing to deal with. Mm -hmm. Don't don't do that. And you may have put down, I mean, I was sitting in a service last night, and I said, Lord, I said, whatever I got, I said, if I've got anything, because it was a moment where it's like, search your heart. And I was sitting there in the service, and I, and I literally, I said, Lord, if I've got anything, please show it to me. I'll, I'll run up to the altar. I'll crawl up to whatever you want me to do. And I was sitting there, and I, I've gotten to the place in my life where it's like, ah, I got nothing. I can't find anything. I'm not going to manufacture a sin right. just so I can go up to the altar. But you can live a life like that where you put things down in that way. And so, and, and in this moment... You know, last week it might not have been the same way, but last night it was like it. You can have a moment, so don't manufacture something, but don't be unwilling to check. Don't be unwilling to check. And that's what he's saying. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. Here's what I want you to see right here. 
Verse 7. Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Mm -hmm. The only weapon the devil has is deception. And right here in two different cases, James 4 and 1 Peter 5, you see both of those. You completely disarm the devil and actually he says you resist him and he'll go when we do what? Humble. Humble ourselves. In both cases where God has empowered us over the devil so strongly and told us both of them had to do with humbling ourselves and submitting ourselves to God. If the only weapon that he has is deception and the way to not be deceived is to walk in humility, oh, how we should go after humility. Mm -hmm. And if the two places where God says you resist him and he's got to flee is in humility, oh, how we should go to humility. And many of you have heard me say this, and the Lord spoke it to me you know, every day for a year, hunger and humility. Hunger and humility. Hunger and humility. And what he was saying is every day of your life you need to purpose yourself to be hungry for me and to humble yourself in me. This is your response. He was talking to me. Brian, this is your responsibility every single day. Don't let it pass and don't forget it. Hunger and be humble. Hunger after me and be hung humble. Hunger after me and be humble. Hunger and humility, hunger and humility, hunger and humility, hunger and humility, hunger and humility. It's like I can't say it enough. Yeah. He was getting it across to me, and now he's wanting, wanting me to speak it, to preach it. It's yeah. all throughout his word. We must hunger after him. Why? Because if we hunger, we shall be filled. Yeah. And if we'll be humble, he'll give grace and greater grace. Mm -hmm. and, we, and the devil's got nothing for us. So we'll be full of the goodness of God, and what would pull us down we'll, won't have a chance. Mm -hmm. So our only action is to keep rising in him. And that's God's plan for us, but he just needs some people that will say, Lord, I'll be hungry. Mm -hmm. I'll be humble. But that means how active should we be? How active should we be? Amen. Darla says, Lord, keep me hungry. And, and I'll say... Darla, it's our, it's our responsibility. Ask the Lord to show you where you're not hungry yeah. and to give you the strength to keep hungry. Yeah. And just put that in the comments right now. You know, a lot of times if somebody's hungry, it's if they're hungry, it's because we haven't eaten or we know that there's more. You know, if we started talking about steak right now, and I told Buddy to explain his cooking process of steak, Paul would be eating steak in about 30 minutes. Because he'd get hungry for those things, even if he ate before he got here. When we start talking about how good God is, we'll get hungry. If we stop eating the spiritual junk food, we'll be hungry. Hung hunger and humility is our responsibility. And so just put that in the comments right now. Hunger and humility. Hunger and humility. We must stay there and take our responsibility to do that. And that'll keep us out of the claws of the devil. And it'll give us entrance into the fullness of all the blessings of God beyond what we can ask or think. Amen. Glory to God. I talked for a long time. Very good. You got anything? Well, just a little. Go. It, yeah. it just reminds me of what Pastor Tracy was talking about uh, a couple weeks ago, is how he was saying that almost every single spiritual battle revolves around um, bringing revelation to you or keeping it from you. Yes. Um, I mean, that's all the enemy wants to do is keep revelation from you. Um, and, and God wants to bring revelation to you. And, and yeah. really, the, what determines whether the, the revelation comes to us or 
or removes from or is removed from us is pride or humility. Yeah. Pride repels, you know, yes. uh, revelation. Humility invites it and welcomes yes. it in. And so, I mean, what did God say in Hosea 4, 6? My people perish for a lack of knowledge. Yes. A lack, essentially a lack of revelation. And, yep. and it revolves around, are we humbling ourselves to a point where God can give us that grace where we can receive the revelation and stay from deception? Mm -hmm. Amen. You guys got any? Just going back, Kevin had put up a comment about, you know, the Lord will set the forms for the building, and then whenever it's time, then he'll remove the forms yeah. for the, the greater construction to be shown. And when I was reading this comment, you know, when, if you're, you're building a house on a slab, mm -hmm. you have to come in and you have to prepare the ground. You have to level out the ground. Yeah. You have to grade it. Well, then you have to put up the forms. Well, when you pour concrete, you don't just go in there and dump some concrete and then take a little bit of it and spread it out. It takes a while to spread that concrete to the forms to the level, the depth that it needs to be to be able to hold what's coming. And a lot of times, and then with concrete, when we were doing the treehouse, and I told you, you know, even after that concrete's poured, it has to have water put on it. Because what'll happen is there's agents in the concrete where it'll want to dry too fast. Yeah. The outside will want to dry before the inside. Yeah. The centers. Well, if that happens, well, when that center dries, when it dries up, it shrinks. Well, if the outside's already dry and the inside, then what's going to happen when you put something on top of it, it's going to crush. Mm -hmm. So you have to still water it. So even though sometimes you feel like you've hit where God's calling you, mm -hmm. you still have to be yeah. patient and wait. And then when you look at the construction process, you don't just go out there and take the forms off. The laborers have a, a, a foreman that that tells them when it's time. Yeah. But before he tells them when it's time, his supervisor comes out. And before the supervisor comes out, there's an inspector that comes out. Mm -hmm. Well, the Holy Spirit's the inspector. Mm -hmm. He'll tell your leader that you've been put under when it's time to remove the forms for the, the construction and go ahead and continue yeah. the next phase. But a lot of times what we do is, if you didn't know that process, you see that concrete starting to harden a little bit. You're like, okay, it's, it's go time. Well, let me go ahead and just bust the forms off. We're going to go ahead and start start building this, well, then what happens? You can start building it. Yeah. But then in a week or so, when that concrete finally fully cures, or what's going to happen? It, that foundation is going to start to crack, and eventually all those walls that start getting built that were built too early are going to cave in, and you're left with a mess. Yeah. All because you didn't wait for the person that's over you mm -hmm. who has more insight into the job because they've been in that position before. The Lord has shown them the process, the Lord has shown them the process that you're going through because you're underneath them, and he's placed them above you for a reason, and that's one of the, the quickest things that whenever he put that was just a deception that comes into place because you've hit that I've arrived yeah. mentality, and I've, you've told, talked to me about that all the time, <laughs> and if we don't check that, then our minds, we see, we see that, that concrete starting to set, and we're like, it's, it's time now. Our pastors missed it, or his pastors missed it. They're just not seeing it. God's talking to me. Well, you do that, and you're setting yourself up for a disaster. But if you wait for the yeah. Holy Spirit to come in and say, Brian, Pastor Brian, it's time for Paul to do this, then he's going to take it to you. Yeah. And then what happens then? The process has came down the chain of command like yeah. it's supposed to. Yeah. So then if something happens, is it my fault? No. 
is it pastor's fault? No. It, it was led by God. Well, if it's yeah. led by God and led by the Holy Spirit, it's not going to fail. So yeah. if we just stop and be patient and submit ourselves to our pastor who submits himself to the Holy Spirit, then you're always going to go through and it's going to be built the way it needs to be with no imperfections in it. So whenever he, Kevin would put that comment on it, that's what I've just been sitting there yeah. thinking. It's a quick it's a quick way that people constantly get deceived, and I've fell for it I have before. Yeah, and it's a really easy times. one. Because yeah. when you look at something from the outside, instead of really studying the heart of the situation, sometimes the outside is different than what the centerpiece yeah. is. And you quick to judge something instead of waiting for the leading on it. That's really good. You know, one of the things that I've... One of the things that I was thinking about as you were talking about that is many times, you know, when we were, when we were digging those pillars for the treehouse, you know, it was two feet deep and at least a foot around. And uh, we had three guys doing it, and all of us, I think, had blisters at the end. You might not have, but I did. Well, they're already been there. Your, your, <laughs> yours are used to it. Mine, mine wasn't. But if you think about it, the ground, and it was very, it's very rocky ground around here, and think about this, the ground was set. Mm -hmm. We're disturbing what was set. Mm -hmm. But in order to come up out of the ground, mm -hmm. we had to disturb something that was set. Yeah, you right. know, we had to, to come up and grow, uh, we had to change what was set. Mm -hmm in the ground now but most people would have walked over that ground a week before and said there's no problem with that ground i i get it there is no problem with that ground it was fine but it's been there a long time but we had to disturb it in order to to go up to grow and um, now the key is a lot of people want to disturb things without getting confirmation mm -hmm. first so before we started disturbing the ground like i talked with you and found out what's a good plan Mm -hmm. Because you know more about building than I do. And so I said, what's a good plan? So I want people with experience. I want people that know what they're talking about. I also want people that I'm connected with. You know, if I just went out on the street and found whoever wears a title that says construction guy, you know, and I talk to him, he's, whether the treehouse falls down or not, he doesn't care. Mm -hmm. But you care about it because we're connected. And, and we're connected by God. So... It, there's a different thing when I draw from you. So you told me what needed to happen, where it needed to happen, what some of those regulations should be, some of those depth and dimensions and things like that. And so I confirmed. I, con I, I went and sought the person who has the wisdom and knowledge and experience to tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. uh, that'll preach all day long. But then I want you to see this. It was set a week before we'd have walked out there and said there's nothing wrong with the ground. And there wasn't, except that it, was, it staying the way that it was would hold us back from growing. Yeah. And so in order to properly grow, we had to cut into the ground and make room for the pieces that would uphold mm -hmm. the building and the growth. We had to make room in what looked like it was fine, what looked like what was set, whether it's set good or set bad, it was set, and it was difficult, and it gave us some blisters. But once we got that thing set, 
Now it'll uphold and support the structure. But you had to cut and make room for those pieces like covenant. Covenant means to cut. We had to make a covenant, so to speak. We had to make a covenant with that ground and cut into it. You are going to have to change forever as long as this is supposed to be there. You're going to have to change. You're going to have to be different from this day forward. And this, what is that ground? We're humbling ourselves to the growth of God. That means, in other words, I can have all kinds of things set in my life. I can have all kinds of things, you know, right now. God is an increased God. Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. But he kept increasing. How do you keep increasing? You keep giving yourself to the Lord and you get, uh, you know, correction or redirection all the time. You know, there's things right now that are going really, really good. But these two guys, they're on the leadership team and Buddy and Serena has been around us for a little bit of, uh, a little bit of time now. And they're already seeing that I'm, you know, Things are always changing. We're always cutting new things that have been set so that God can do what he wants to do. He will do the same thing in your life, but he'll say, hey, give yourself to me. Yeah. Give yourself to me. The masterpiece of your life is not complete yet. But in order, what we've got to do is give ourselves to him. Lord, do with me what you want. Yeah. That's the humble heart that says, I'll leave my position, and I don't know what the future holds. You know, I don't care what you tell me to do, but I'll do that. That's the heart that says, God, I'm going after you. And, and what you just said, said, I've gotten that wrong before. But then you give yourself to the Lord and say, but I'm not going to, I'm giving myself, Lord, help me see what's right. Help me see how to do it good, you know. It's, it's the heart that says, I always thought I would be this. But now you're telling me you're not going to be that. And Lord, I give myself to. And what you find is all of a sudden you'll be in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And God will be able to do great and mighty exploits through everyone yeah. because of these things. God wants to do so much good stuff for all of us. But we have to give ourselves to him. We have to give ourselves to be cut into. We have to give ourselves to become his masterpiece. You know, a, a, a big stone block is one thing. But you put that stone block in the hands of a master craftsman. And out of it comes a masterpiece. We're God's masterpiece. We're living stones. God's just saying, who will give themselves to me that I might uh, put my vision, make them my vision. Oh, the Lord's got great things for us. But the question is, will we humble ourselves? Yeah. And that'll keep us away from the deception and the pulling down, and it will pull us up to the heights of his exaltation and his glory. Hallelujah. Father, we just pray right now. Lord, let everybody that's watching this be touched with your grace and greater grace as they submit themselves to you and humble themselves to you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. Lord, we want to be a humble people and we want to be a hungry people. Lord, thank you, Father, for giving us the opportunity and the ability to step into your destiny and your vision for our lives. Lord, thank you so much for just letting us be a part of what you're doing. Thank you, Father, for letting us be a part of what you're doing. You didn't have to do that. 
And, and we definitely didn't deserve it without you. But Lord, you declared, I want them there. Father, you allowed us to be a part of what you're doing. And Lord, whatever part that is, be it, be it little or small in man's eyes, Father, we'll be obedient and humble in every way. And we thank you for it and we praise you for it. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Glory to God. We just thank you. Lord, let every person watching and listening, Lord, Father, let them just be filled up with all of your goodness and all of your mercy. Lord, let them walk out the fullness of your vision and your destiny for their lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Glory Amen. to God. Hallelujah. Well, uh, as most of y'all know, uh, we may have some new people there watching. You know, the broadcast is always free. But we found that the Lord drops on many people's hearts over time. I want to sow into that, into the good news going out. I want to sow into a message on humility that touches a bunch of people around the world. I want to sow into that. I want to plant seed in that. And uh, if you'd like to do that, you're on Facebook. You can just type in hashtag donate and the amount that you would like to sow. And uh, whether you're on Facebook or anywhere else, you can go to give bc.org and you're welcome to give and sow into the kingdom like that. I think I saw Priscilla do that earlier. Thank you, Priscilla. May that, may that gift and that seed be pressed down, shaken together, running over in your life in Jesus' name uh, because you gave it for his name's sake and for the gospel's sake. And according to Mark chapter 10, you have a right to 100% of the harvest that he wants you to have. And we just declare it so that you will have 100% of that harvest in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We love you. Listen, hey, listen to this. Tomorrow, noon, very special guest on location. Mm -hmm. Brother Tracy Harris will be with me. He and I will be together tomorrow at noon. If you got questions... Get them together, because if there's a man on the earth that knows the answer to them more than it, I, he, he would know. I, I'm not going to say he knows everything, but he knows a lot. And uh, I love him. It's going to be awesome. He, we're going to be together. And uh, if you've never met him, I would love to introduce you to him. Listen, at noon, we're not going to have any of the normal questions. We're jumping right in, right at noon. So don't miss the opening. Uh, but tomorrow at noon, it's going to be awesome. And if you are anywhere near North Carolina, South Carolina, or want to be near North Carolina or South Carolina, he is speaking tonight, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday at uh, Faith Family Church in Jefferson, South Carolina. And it was there last night. I'm telling you, it was awesome last night. God did some great stuff. I mean, the power of God flowed through that place, and it's just going to get better and better. That'll be tonight, yeah. uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, Jefferson, South Carolina, Faith Family Church. And, um, do we and have we're any? all going to be there. So if you just yeah. want to come meet yeah, us, we're come, all gonna be there. come on out tonight. It's going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we love you. Have a great, great night. If uh, we don't see you before then, see you tomorrow at noon at Lunch Plus, myself and Brother Tracy Harris. And it's going to be awesome. Amen. Amen. We love you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. See ya. See ya.